Welcome back to Thoughts of a Wisdom Preacher. This is Pastor Josh Lucci. This is a podcast where we uh, talk about uh, outdoor stuff, hunting and fishing, and we apply it to our life and our relationship with God. Uh, we also deal with some current issues, some things that don't often get talked about in the church, uh, and things that are very applicable to everyday life, uh, things that we encounter with friends, co-workers, um, sometimes with spouses, and things of that nature. So thanks for tuning in. All right, well, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 for a little while, um, as well as some other places. But first, I, I wanted to tell you guys a story. Um, this was not what I was planning on doing a podcast about, but um, as I was headed out to my office to, to get started, I turned and asked my wife, hey, what should I do my podcast about? And, uh, you know, she gave me a recommendation, and um, as usual, she is totally right. This is um, exactly what uh, what needed to be talked about, but... Uh, um, so, you know, I uh, just recently turned 40 years old um, and, uh, you know, realized that it's all downhill from here. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, we, we actually had a great time for my birthday. Um, you know, my wife and, and, and boy took me camping over on the coast, uh, which I totally adore. And, uh, you know, my wife asked me, so what do you want to do for your birthday? And I was like, I really want to go uh, deep sea fishing, go out on a charter boat. I hadn't been uh, able to do that in a really long time, and so um, she and and Caleb and I all went out on a, a charter boat. The, the day before, though, I was supposed to go out on a trip uh, by myself. It was a longer trip. It was a little bit more intense. Uh, you know, we were going to go fishing for lingcod, um, but the, the weather wasn't really cooperating, so we showed up there, got loaded up into the boats. Uh, there were smaller boats so that they could go a little faster. There's uh, two captains going out at the same time, and um, as we were headed out um, of the, the basin there onto the jetties, the waves started getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, we were eyeballing the waves and we were eyeballing each other. And, you know, everybody was in the cabin and I was kind of out on the back there so that I could uh, get some fresh air. And we were crossing the bar and hitting probably six or seven foot swells, which is, uh, you know, pretty good size wave action for a boat that big. Um, at one point, we took a, a wave over the bow and, and uh, <laughs> it went up over the cabin and soaked me pretty good. But... Uh, you know, so I came into the cabin and we crossed the bar. It was pretty rough. Uh, started headed out to open ocean and the waves got bigger. Uh, usually going over the bar, the, the waves are as big as they're going to get. And uh, it gets a little calmer, calmer from there. But uh, we started seeing, you know, eight to 10 foot swells uh, with uh, white caps over the top. The wind was blowing pretty hard. And, you know, the captain was talking to us and saying, you know, I think even if we were to make it out to the fishing grounds, I don't know that we could stay and, and fish much. The waves are just too big. You know, land would completely disappear. We were hopping over waves with the boat, you know, and uh, so we, you know, managed to turn around. As we turned around, we looked off in the distance and um, saw what we, we figured to be about a 15-foot swell. It was it was big. <laughs> it was way too big for where we were at. And so we were all pretty nervous coming back in. Um, you know, we made it back in safe, but there were several times where we would be looking out one window into the ocean and out the other window into the sky. So it was pretty rough going. But, uh, you know, the next day we went out on a bigger boat. The, the waves had calmed down quite a bit. Um, but, you know, my, my wife gets seasick very easily. And so her willingness to, to go fishing <laughs> out on the ocean, and she doesn't like uh, the ocean to begin with, 
um, that was an act of love. It was something that, you know, it was an experience I wanted to share with them and with, with Caleb, my son. He'd never been able to do anything like that. And so it was certainly something that she knew going in that this was going to be uh, pretty sac- self-sacrificial. It was not going to be an easy experience for her. And I was even nervous asking her to, to do it, but she was totally willing. Um, you know, we went out, um, her and Caleb both got really seasick and uh, it was not fun for them. I, I had a great time fishing, <laughs> but I, you know, I just felt awful for them. Um, you know, everybody caught fish and it ended up being a great experience. But, you know, I, as I was thinking about uh, what it takes to, to make a decision that way, it's, it's a self, self-sacrificial type of love that um, I saw in action, right? Well, fast forward a few weeks and, um, you know, the, the youth group that I work with, we're talking a lot about uh, current issues, things that are applicable today. Um, and the big hot topic right now with our youth is the gender issue. Um, you know, transgenderism and what do we do with this? You know, use of pronouns. How do we, how do we love uh, folks who are, um, you know, having gender confusion, gender dysphoria? Um, how do we have a discussion around it and still be respectful and loving, um, even though we're just all really confused about the whole thing? And, uh, you know, so we were, we were having a conversation with one of the small groups, and um, they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do about pronouns? What do we, you know, we have folks that are in our lives that, um, you know, were born one gender, and they now identify as another gender, and they want us to use their preferred pronouns, right? So that, that's kind of the situation we're looking at. Um, and so they're, we're talking about, like, from a practical sense, what do we do? How do we handle this as, as young people going into the, not just the educational world, but the professional world too? Um, and on top of that, we're young people that are supposed to be the mirror image of Christ, you know, or image bearers of Christ and his love and demonstrating what that looks in a tangible way uh, to the rest of the world who has um, no idea, who's watching us through a magnifying glass. And so our, our choices are uh, really important. Um, they're crucial. They're critical. Uh, and so we were, we were talking about it, and the, the, it was the spectrum of opinions from, um, you know, I'm fine using pronouns, it doesn't matter to me, uh, no big deal, all the way to, you know, I feel like if I use their preferred pronouns, um, not only am I lying to them by agreeing with what they believe to be, um, but I'm also approving of their lifestyle by, by using these pronouns. And so it really, it, within the group, um, the opinions really span the whole gap of it. And so we, you know, we're like, okay, um, you know, opinions and preferences, um, they're all fine and they're great and they're part of humanity and who we are. Um, But as um, good, educated Christians with solid theology, we are to always filter um, these opinions, these cultural uh, limitations that we have through scripture, right? And so we were were asking the question, okay, scripture, does it specifically deal with uh, gender, well, in some ways, shapes and forms, sure, you can you can apply some of these things. But from a, a really direct standpoint, um, there's really no direct um, order that we can see around usage of preferred pronouns. Um, and so we have to rely on interpretation and application, right? And so that requires good, solid exegesis to be able to see the text and to pull out truth, uh, interpret that truth, and apply it to uh, modern-day issues, right? 
And so, you know, within the group, we started thinking, okay, well, what uh, what stories in the Bible, what incidences can we look at that we can pull uh, these biblical truths from and apply to? And one of the one of the things that came up was the story of Zacchaeus. Um, you know, and the tax collector, where you know Jesus was passing through. Zacchaeus really wanted to see. Uh, this guy, Jesus, he'd heard of him. Um, he had a reputation at that point, and, uh, but he couldn't, right? He was a man of small stature, right, is what the, the scripture says. And so he decided to climb a tree. Uh, this is every Sunday school teacher's favorite uh, story to tell on the flannel graph. Um, I don't even know if they use those anymore, but uh, you know, growing up, there was always the Zacchaeus story because he was a wee little man and climbed a sycamore tree. Um, I think that's how the song went anyway. But, um, you know, and Jesus's response was, uh, you know, come down. I'm going to go have a meal with you. I'm going to stay at your house. Uh, and this was absolutely unheard of. Um, you know, he, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was the lowest of the scum of the earth. This was a man whose profession, um, the way he made money was to cheat people out of their money, to collect more taxes than what the government um, was asking for, and that's how he made his money. This was widely known, this was widely accepted, and because of that, this profession was widely hated and despised in this culture, right? So just by profession, Zacchaeus was um, a despicable human being, um, just by notoriety, and uh, Jesus knew this <laughs> going into it, um, you know, and yet he chose to go and and stay at this person's house to break bread with this person to have a meal with this person and in the culture uh, where Jesus was and Zacchaeus was this was um, equatable to agreeing with their lifestyle the Bible talks about do not break bread with a sinner uh, you know and this was um, the lowest of the low sinners okay um, so really Jesus was radically choosing what to develop a relationship with a person um, Jesus was not agreeing with his lifestyle. I, I really, I don't think that we could even stretch um, and misinterpret scripture to even come close to that. Um, Jesus lived a public ministry. People knew what he was about. I don't know that anybody was going to say, hey, Jesus is agreeing with Zacchaeus' lifestyle. What Jesus was saying was, I see you. I love you. I want to develop a relationship with you as a human being so that I can reach you and, and touch your heart. Um, you know, and I, th I really see this as um, one of the more applicable ideologies around uh, pronoun usage. Uh, I, I completely understand there's going to be a large portion of, of Christians that are going to really vehemently disagree with me on that, and th this is fine. Um, you know, in, in my old age, I have come to realize that um, the Bible is completely inerrant. Right? I believe wholeheartedly in the inerrancy of Scripture. I, I don't believe wholeheartedly in the inerrancy of interpretation. Okay, um, I, I have been wrong in the past. I have, um, f through time, come to realize, uh, not just through time, but through realizing who God is in character and um, re-examining Scripture as a whole, uh, holistic um, basis of, of understanding God and his characteristics. I've come to uh, different conclusions than I had as a young person, uh, different conclusions that my the church that I grew up in had. You know, I've come to realize that a lot of what I believed to be theology was culture, was opinion, was um, ethic, which ethic is fine. 
Um, but uh, when you try to turn ethics into morals, that's where you start to get uh, bad theology. And we'll, we'll address that particular one in another podcast. But all this to say is that um, I really uh, am beginning to understand that if you choose not to use somebody's gender pronouns that they prefer, um, I, I don't see how they could possibly see you as loving them. I, I can't imagine a, uh, a situation in which somebody who, who is, is in that situation would say, hey, you know, uh, Josh is refusing to use my pronouns, but, you know, I, I know he loves me anyway. I, I don't see that. Um, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm living a public faith, a faith that um, is something people can see and touch and experience just being around me, and I'm not ashamed, right, of, of who uh, Christ is and who I am in Christ, uh, then nobody's going to assume, even for a moment, that I'm going to agree with that lifestyle. Uh, but if I choose to use their, their gender pronouns with them fully understanding who I am and what I believe, uh, what I see happening is that they're going to understand a love that they haven't experienced before. Um, and I think through that, you can build a relationship with that person. And through that relationship, um, you have the opportunity to, um, you know, share with them who Christ is and who they can be in Christ as well. I don't really um, uh, see a, a, uh, any, any way that I could stretch it and say by using their pronouns, I'm agreeing with their lifestyle. Um, I, I just, that was where I was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of <laughs> a lot of research and I've lived some life and I, I know um, a lot of people who um, are using different pronouns um, that, uh, you know, and that's, that's something that I think is also very important that unless you have, uh, if, unless you're able to put a face to the issue, unless you're able to put a human being to what you are having strong feelings about, um, then you truly have uh, very little authority to, to speak about something. So if you find yourself having strong opinions about, about gender pronouns and things like that, but you have um, little to no interaction with people who are coming from that lifestyle, um, I would challenge you um, not to have no opinion. Uh, what I would challenge you is to go out and seek people out um, that are in that lifestyle to develop those relationships. I think Jesus, you know, at the very least, you can take the story of Zacchaeus. Um, you know, even if you were to take the pronoun issue out of it, you look at um, who Zacchaeus was and who Jesus was, and Jesus sought uh, not to judge. Jesus did not seek to condemn. He sought to develop a relationship with Zacchaeus. And as a result of that uh, seeking out for relationship and as a result of Christ um, showing him love publicly in front of everybody, um, announcing that he was going to go and stay with Zacchaeus. But through that sort of love, um, the response of Zacchaeus was to, to repent, um, you know, to, and even to take you know, visceral action, actual action to, uh, to fix some of the wrongs that he had been living out. Um, you know, I, I really strongly encourage you to go ahead and have um, strong, I have strong opinions about it, obviously, um, but to be able to back that up with love, uh, with relationship, um, with putting a face to the issue, uh, a person to the issue, um, to give them agency in, in who they are and who, uh, who they could be in Christ. Um, but until you do that, um, really think hard about 
um, the passion in which you speak about an issue um, until you're able to actually and, and you know putting yourself in their shoes is far too cliche and I'm not even sure that's a, a really healthy thing to do but to have a relationship with the folks that you are having passionate opinions about um, I think is a fair um, and really healthy thing to, to go ahead and do um, I think that it often uh, can help with the, the epidemic of westernized tribalism that we're having in Christianity and within the church and within our own microcultures where we just surround ourselves with people who only agree with us. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, that's a dangerous sort of thing to do. I think the best way to combat that is to seek out people who don't necessarily agree with you, not in order that they can change your mind, but in order that you can develop an educated empathy around it, to be able to speak with some authority um, because you have a person, you have a face to the issue. So that would be my encouragement to you, um, to seek out ways to love, um, especially in the issues that you feel very passionate about. Um, you know, the pronoun issue is very uh, pop culture, it's very current. Um, you know, we, I have several people that are in my life that are um, experiencing a lot of uh, concern and trying to figure out what exactly they're going to be doing about that. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you know, I would love to hear from you guys about some of your opinions around um, gender pronoun usage, especially in Christian culture. Um, but my, my biggest encouragement to you would be to go out and seek, uh, seek relationships so that you can be authoritative on it. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Wrestling the hounds of shame Trying to turn her hands back On a troubling past Every move I make's in vain But even in the shifting wind